Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we've got a program that comes to us from the heart of Indian country. We're speaking about diabetes and especially the window of diabetes that we get from looking at tribal health clinics. To aid us in this journey is Dr. Jamali Austin. Jamali, it's great to have you with us on today's show. Thank you, Dr. DeRose. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, Jamali, when people hear doctor before someone's name, they might think in a medical context, I'm speaking with a medical doctor, but you actually have your doctorate in a different discipline. Tell our listeners a little bit about your educational background. Yes, thank you. So my um, degree is actually in public health. Um, I have a master in public health nutrition and a doctor in preventive care. So we're looking more at lifestyle interventions, nutrition and physical activity, and how can that impact um, diabetes and also diabetes prevention. So now, Jamali, you yourself have Native American roots, but they're different Native roots than we usually talk about in the show because your ancestors were not from North America, but from somewhere else. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So my um, from my father's side, um, I'm Mayan from Guatemala. So we're located um, in Guatemala and actually some parts of Mexico to the south part of Mexico and Honduras. So Mayan um, was a pretty big empire um, centuries ago and, you know, had a big um, uh, roots of communications and trading between the Mayan cultures in Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras. So, yes. So basically you have these inter-American Native roots, and you're working now, though, pretty much exclusively with people who have Native roots from North America. Is that correct? Correct. So tell us about your current position and what you do. I work at Lake County Tribal Health. Lake County um, is located about three hours north of San Francisco. We In Lake County, there's about 65,000 people, but of those, about 3,000 are Native Americans. And we work specifically at the Tribal Health Clinic in Lake County. We serve all the Natives that live in Lake County, and specifically the six recognized tribes that live around the lake. So Lake County has, like you said, a significant population of Native Americans, and you're there helping those folks both with their day-in and day-out medical needs there at the clinic as well as working with preventive services in the case of you and other members of the team especially, right? Correct. So with my programs, I coordinate the diabetes education programs, and we work closely with the lifestyle coaches that work at the gym, the fitness trainers, as well as the gardener, so we have a big garden here at the clinic that started when I came in with the program um, in 2012 to 2013. And really the goal, as you mentioned, is to connect the patients with preventive services. So they many times come 
to the clinic and get a prescription for medication. But we also wanted to encourage the providers to think about prescribing wellness, prescribing physical activity, prescribing fruits and vegetables, and, you know, more of the lifestyle interventions that can help prevent and treat and, and diabetes. So how many people are enrolled in diabetes programming that you offer there at the Lake County Tribal Health Clinic? So currently we have, um, as I mentioned, we have a variety of services that we provide. So probably we serve about 150 to 200 people on a monthly basis. Um, and, of course, we want to reach more people. We're starting to also do more services for youth. So we started also a diabetes prevention for youth and a together program for diabetes education and prevention for youth. So we're trying to expand. We have also some of our big events that we bring all the community together. It's an annual walk to stop diabetes, and we can get up to 250 participants in that and an annual garden blessing that we also get about 100 participants. Well, let's talk about some of these programs. And I've had the privilege of actually seeing your clinic. You extended that privilege to me, oh, I'm guessing maybe five years ago. We had a chance of working some together, but I really didn't realize how much attention your program was generating until I was far from home in Atlanta at the American Public Health Association meetings. And who do I see but Dr. Jamali Austin actually presenting a paper there uh, at those national meetings. Tell us a little bit about what you were speaking about to health professionals from throughout the world. So we had the privilege to present um, the work that a garden is doing and a little bit of background of Lake County. Lake County, when they did the county health ranking assessment, we came out as a 57 out of the 58 um, counties um, in health um, ranks or health outcomes. So there's a lot of issues that we wanted to address in our community to help improve our overall health. And one of the things that we also found is that 46% of our community are food insecure. So we really wanted to, you know, we encouraging participants to eat more fruits and vegetables, but some of them felt like they couldn't afford it or it was expensive. So one of the initiatives that we had is to do a community garden here at the clinic. So as the patients come to the clinic appointments, they can see the garden and have access to those fruits and vegetables and learn also how to grow their own fruits and vegetables at home so that they can also provide those to their family. So we also partner with SNAP-Ed that is doing food demonstrations in the garden um, using the vegetables that we grow and teaching the community how to prepare them in a healthy way. Now, this is sounding very exciting to me as a public health professional as well as a physician, but let's make sure we're all on the same page, everyone tuning in. Why is it that people are focused on helping individuals with diabetes or at risk for diabetes eat more fruits and vegetables? Is this just a fad or is there really solid evidence for it, Dr. Austin? Yes, and we know now that increasing our intake of vegetables and and fruits in moderation for diabetics is really important for many reasons. Um, there's a lot of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants in these in, in fruits and vegetables, but there's also fiber 
that helps mm-hmm. us slow the intake of our blood sugars, how our blood sugars are processed. And what I'm finding out also is that a lot of our populations are really drinking a lot of sodas, even with diabetes, and mm. eating a lot of sweets, and not really getting exercise. So the garden is a nice way to help patients to get out and in the sunshine and fresh air, but also work with their hands and learn to appreciate some of these foods that are less processed. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the um, consumption now in America is a lot of processed foods that, that are not perhaps the healthiest for us, at least for diabetes or with diabetes. So trying to eat less processed foods that have you know less processed sugar and eating a, a small fruit for dessert is much better than eating a pie all the time or sweets and candies and so forth. No, I mean, this is a great message, and it's one of the real challenges that I know people in diabetes work throughout the country, whether they're working with Native Americans or with other populations, are challenged by. They, they say, well, we know all these things, but how do we translate this knowledge into action? And what I hear you and the team there at Lake County Tribal Health, you're actually saying, we're telling people to eat more fruits and vegetables, but why not actually help them to grow them? So tell us how this works. Let's say I'm a Native patient of yours, and I'm coming to the clinic. Do I have an opportunity to actually have a plot of land, or is it more where people are sharing the same land? How does that actually work practically? So what you, as I mentioned, we start with our garden blessing where we bring all the community that wants to participate to help us plant these seeds, and we have a special blessing for that garden season. So everybody's involved, and we have a lot of youth and elders and all everybody that wants to be there. And after that, we set up classes. We work closely with our master gardeners in Lake County, um, and they come and provide workshops in the garden where they can. And we like those workshops to be hands-on, so the patients are in the garden learning about how to compost, how to fertilize the vegetables, how to combat the pesticides with the master garden so they work and pick up any vegetables that are available and then every other week or you know once a month we have a snap ad dietitian come in and use the harvest of the month so they pick a vegetable this season and explain what are some of the vitamins and minerals and things that this vegetable has and then share a healthy recipe with us so um, patients don't have a plot, but the garden is their garden, and we really encourage them to come. Um, any other time, it's open as well for them to come and work in the garden and pick any vegetables that they need. But we have those specific, it's actually Fridays when we start the garden season from 9 to 11, that we have an expert also in-house, and our team is there to also support the patients and get those vegetables that we want and also learn because we would like them also as much as possible to go home and grow their own tomatoes or grow their own cucumbers or whatever vegetable they want to grow. So this garden blessing that you speak about, is that something that draws from traditions or culture within those six federally recognized tribes in your area, or was this something that the participants wanted to do? How did that come about? Yes, thank you for asking that. Yes, so we were struggling in trying to get people to come to the garden at the beginning 
So we met with some of the community advocates and we created this plan of how to involve more of the community and definitely the garden blessing um, was one of the suggestions and also they felt that it was important to keep it every year because they felt that that really relates to their culture of blessing the garden and asking the creator to bless their season. Hmm. I like and that. I have to say that Lake County natives didn't grow as much food here for what I have but they have told me because they were fishermen. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a, the largest natural lake, and they also harvest a lot of the vegetables that were already growing. But we know other cultures, other natives in different parts of California or even um, the United States had a lot more growing. But um, I think Native Americans now are realizing how important it is also to grow their own food and to be able to um, have access to that too. So basically, you start with this garden blessing at the beginning of the gardening season, and you have a good attendance there. Individuals can choose to become part of this program, I'm understanding, and if they are, they can come and work as their schedule allows and can also pick the produce when it's ripe. That's kind of how the arrangement works? Correct. Mm -hmm. And... Then you're, of course, encouraging them to learn some of these skills and use them back home and hopefully start their own gardens. Correct. Yes, that will be the ultimate goal. And, you know, we connect them with the master gardeners, too, that are coming to our program so that if they need support or have specific questions about their own home garden, they can have that support. One of the things we have done also in past years is that we have taken the whole class to help support someone at their own home to start their garden. So if somebody's really interested and wants extra help, we we all go to their home and help them to start their garden at their, garden at their home. Wow, this is a, it's an exciting project. We want to hear about some of the outcomes when we come back. Jamali, before we step away, though, if someone is interested in getting more information about gardening, community gardens, do you have a website or some other resource where people can get more information about what you folks are doing? We don't have a website specifically about the garden, but I, I can share the Master Gardener website, and that's a great resource for anybody that wants to start a garden at home. I can provide that when we come back from the day. Okay. We are going to step away just for a, a couple of minutes. We're going to be back with more on American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Dr. Austin is staying with us. A lot more practical information for you. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. 
Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose for American Indian Living. My guest, Dr. Jamali Austin, she has her doctorate in public health. She is the Diabetes Education and Program Manager for the Lake County Tribal Health Consortium in Lake County, California. Jamali, we've been excited to hear about what you and your team are doing to try to make a difference in diabetes in Indian country, at least in your part of the world right there in California. You've been telling us about the community garden and some of the exciting things that are happening there. A couple of things, and I, I know some of the listeners may have heard some of the terminology, and at the break we were talking a little bit, and I said, you know, maybe some people don't know what this SNAP-ED that you've been referring to a couple of times. Why don't you tell us about that, and then we'll come back to some other topics about the garden. Yeah. So SNAP is the, is the, it stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program Education, and their goal is to help uh, people lead healthier lives, and they teach, it's a county program, and they teach good nutrition and how to make healthy eating with um, stretching the dollars. So we um, have the privilege to have the Lake County Public Health Department right across our clinic. So we partner with the dietitian there so that they come. They actually teach the harvest of the month at the schools in Lake County. They work with the kids. So they're also sharing the harvest of the month at our clinic and sharing with our patients how to eat more vegetables and how to cook them in a healthy way. So I'm presuming that the harvest of the month is actually based on what you're really harvesting. And maybe if three vegetables are being harvested, you choose one of them for the, quote, harvest of the month? Correct. So we like to highlight a vegetable that is in the season or a fruit that is in season so that participants can, you know, experience something new, try a different recipe, and learn how to prepare that vegetable in a healthier way. So... Let's talk a little bit more, Jamali, now about what impact you've seen as a result of the community garden or the 
uh, the garden there at the tribal health clinic. Have you noticed any changes in the individuals who are coming for diabetes-related services? Yeah, so I had one of the participants share with me that we did collect data from our participants these last two years, and we saw an, an increase in intake of fruits and vegetables during our gardening season. And one of the testimonies of one of the participants is that he had an opportunity to try um, vegetables that he never tried before, such as the kale mm. um, and the spaghetti squash. They were all new to him. And he was able to share that with his family and with her children that also enjoy eating those new vegetables. So that was pretty exciting to see how people are going home and sharing that knowledge with their family. No, that is tremendous information. One of the questions I had, and this is kind of a practical question as well as one that ties in with a important theme you mentioned earlier. The theme you shared, Dr. Austin, was that one of the reasons why we're trying to help people eat more vegetables is because among the traditional foods that First Nation peoples ate, they ate lots of these plant foods. They had plant fibers that actually helped to stabilize blood sugar. And we know that one of the foods that seems especially good for that are the bean family. But here's my question. Beans sometimes seem to be very labor-intensive to, to many people. Do you find that the folks who are using your garden, working with you on the garden... Are they interested in growing beans because of the cultural significance in Indian country, or is it something that's a little bit harder to promote than a food like a tomato or a, or kale that you can just kind of pick out of the garden and eat uh, just right away? Yeah, thank you for that. Yes, I correct. Beans are um, one of our superfoods with almost 10 grams of fiber for half a cup. So we know that it's recommended to have about 25 grams of fiber a day. And I would say that's the minimum. We should be trying to get at least 40, but the USDA recommends about 25 grams of fiber. So half a cup of beans can really give us 10 grams. So that's um, pretty good. Um, And a lot of Americans are eating about 12 grams of fiber a day. Mm. So there's a lot of room for improvement in getting those beans and making sure um, we get at least half a cup of beans a day. It's a really good way to ensure that we're getting that fiber and that we are helping our body stay healthy and helping our digestion system um, process all that food. So it's very important. So how does the garden help the patient eat more beans? Mm-hmm. Last year, unfortunately, we didn't have a good production of beans, but the year before, we actually grew some of the um pinto beans in our garden. Wow. Um, and our participants were actually quite impressed of how much labor it is to peel the beans and get the beans. And we were talking about, you know, really um, buying the beans in the store. It's really an expensive food. Um, you can get easily two pounds of beans in, at least for, in grocery outlets. That's a store that we utilize here, that our patients can utilize. Um, you can get a two pounds of beans for about 2 or $3, and that can go a long way in feeding our families. So really a super power food that is not that expensive. And, of course, if you can grow it at home and, you know, they, they taste a little fresh and they're good, but you can also get them at the store in a very inexpensive way. But the participants really enjoy those beans, and we're hoping to grow them again this year. Okay, very good. So 
that was an exciting window on one part of the programming that you're offering, Jamali. But what about some of the other things that, that are happening with diabetes and diabetes education there at the Lake County Tribal Health Clinic? There's some internists came in to start the, their diabetes prevention program. Um, we started that in 2011 with funding from the Special Diabetes Program from Indian SDPI grant. Um, and with that program, we really started to educate people about the risk for diabetes. So until then, there was a lot, of, or at least more information about diabetes, but not a lot of information about how do you prevent diabetes and what are the risk factors for diabetes. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of screening, but also education about what are some of these risk factors that you can change. There are some um, risk factors that you cannot change, that either your parents have diabetes, you, you know, you have those genes, but there's some things that we can all do um, to prevent diabetes, and there's a research, the Diabetes Prevention Research, that um, I think it was done in 1998, when they found that people that exercise 30 minutes a day, uh, five times a week for about 150 minutes, and lose um, 5 to 7% of their body weight can prevent diabetes by 58%, even more effectively than taking medications. So, you know, with that research, we know now that lifestyle changes, exercising, you know, eating healthy to lose 5 to 7% of weight, people can prevent diabetes. This is such an exciting message. And I think when we first did some work together some years ago, Jamali, you actually had me speaking to the diabetes prevention group. Am I remembering that right or am I? Correct. That's correct. And what's happened with that group? You've been working with them for a number of years. Have they gotten excited about the message of exercise and trimming down, and and has it made a difference? Yes. And, you know, when we look at uh, lifestyle changes and um, behavior change, it is a process, but we have seen people coming around, and even in the clinic, they tell me that before we started working, there were a lot more sodas and candies and sweets going around, but now we see more salads and fruits mm. and things that people are consuming. And of course, you know, there's still work to do and, you know, they, and maintaining the weight loss. You know, many times when they come to our intensive 16-week classes, we see them losing those 5 to 7% um, of their body weight. But then, you know, going back home and keeping that way off is always a struggle, but we um trying to stay consistent with our programs and with the garden, with the gym, so that people feel supported and also involving more. One of the things we're changing now with our diabetes prevention program is that we open it up to families so that mm-hmm. their parents, the children can come and it can be a family experience where everybody's working to improve their health. Now, in many diabetes prevention programs, there's specific criteria for who can be involved in the program, and usually they'd have some measurement of of blood sugar or average blood sugar that put a person in a category that we often call pre-diabetes. Was that the case with your program as well? Yes, and one of the things we were working after our grant ended um, last year is to become CDC-recognized program. And one of the criteria for them is that half of our participants have to have that A1C that is considered pre-diabetic, mm-hmm. which is an A1C between 5.7 to 6.4. Um, 
or have taken the CVC at-risk test where the people can find out what are some of the risk factors for diabetes. I mentioned exercise, but also the weight, um, being overweight or obese can put a person at risk for diabetes, family genes, or from a woman having had a baby that weighed more than nine pounds. So there's a few things that people can assess the risk, and depending on that risk factor, they also qualify for a program. But we also have noticed that some of our youth are also experiencing a pre, um, risk for diabetes. Even though they don't count for the CVC recognition, we also wanted to make sure we open the doors for youth or kids that wanted to attend the program with the parents so that they can also start making those lifestyle changes early. That is excellent information. We're going to step away just for a couple of moments. I'm talking with Dr. Jamali Austin. She heads up diabetes programming for the Lake County Tribal Health Consortium and Tribal Health Clinic in Lake County, California. She's got some more great insights that can make a difference for you, your family, your tribe when it comes to diabetes. Don't go away. We'll be coming back with more in the second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. Don't go away. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So, whether it's around your neighborhood... Or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. My guest, 
Dr. Jamali Austin. Jamali has her doctorate in public health, and she's actually making a difference in Indian country, really giving back to people who she shares a, well, of sorts of common ancestry with. If you weren't with us from the top of the hour, Jamali has roots in intra-America in Guatemala, and she actually told us that she is of Mayan descent. Jamali, in speaking about your background, I think it's it's great to talk a little bit more about that because a lot of times we have Native American young people or parents or grandparents that are listening in, and uh, it's inspiring to hear of people in Indian country actually are giving back to Native people throughout, uh, in this case, uh, the, the continent, if you will. So, Jamali, were you from a home that basically valued education, a lot of health professionals? Was that your background growing up in Guatemala? No, actually, it's not. My father is, as I mentioned, from Guatemala. My mother's from Nicaragua. But my father was really who started, was the first graduate from his hospital. And he lost his dad when he was only eight years old because he was an, you know, alcoholic. That really put the family in a really tough situation mm-hmm. where they didn't know um, what to do. And my father couldn't go to school. He had to work to help his family um, survive. Um, and it was providential that he met this um, missionary um they came to Guatemala, and he was a tour guide. He took them to the beautiful sceneries of the Mayan ruins and explained the culture and um, the traditions that Mayans had in Chichicastenango, where he's originally from. And at that point, um, one of the persons that came, he was a Christian man that wanted to help young people, and he told him, do you want to go to school? My father was quite um, surprised with this uh, opportunity. He didn't know what to answer. He knew that his family depended on him Mm. to um, provide for the means for food and for clothing. He was the second oldest of his siblings, and there were about five younger siblings. And his mother depended heavily on his tour guides and on his selling those tour touristic uh, things from the Mayan culture. So he asked if he could go and ask his mom. And my grandmother couldn't read or write or didn't have any education. And she was cooking tortillas on a hot stove on the fireplace when my my father ran and asked, oh, mom, you know, there's this person that is offering me education. Can I do it? Can I go? And my mother said, yes. My grandmother said, yes, go. And, you know, thinking back to that decision that my grandmother did, how it impacted a whole family. Mm. Um, you know, my father was able to go to school, but he also came back and worked to support his other siblings. And now my whole family, all my uncles and aunts, were able to find education. You know, he in this school, they um, encouraged people to sell books. So he did some of that and um, sent back um money to my grandma so that she could help my uncles and my aunts educate. But that decision of my grandmother approving for my father to go to school really changed our lives. And today I'm also um, a result of, you know, somebody reaching out and also um, my father and my grandmother accepting that opportunity and taking advantage of what was offering to pursue an education. 
I mean, this is such an exciting story. Now, presumably your father went some distance from home to get the education. Is that true? Correct. He actually had to travel to Honduras to be actually with an Adventist school. Um, and then he eventually went to Costa Rica to their college there also. So um, we were privileged to have that education and, you know, have that support from a donor from here from the United States that wanted to help a young person be educated. Well, that is such an exciting story. And I know many people, whether they're in Indian country today or in other settings, can relate to difficult circumstances. Maybe uh, it's a story where it's a single mother trying to take care of a large family, uh, whether there's alcoholism in the family, drug abuse, or just health issues, or a, a father that died or just kind of left the scene. And your grandmother really made a sacrifice, right? She probably didn't know how she was going to make ends meet without the income of your father. I mean, it sounds like that in the story, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. She definitely really valued that education at that time. She knew that herself she couldn't write or read, and the impact that it had had on, you know, she being successful in life. And she wanted something different for her children, and she really pushed our family to pursue that education and, you know, I got to know her as well, and, you know, she always encouraged us to do our best. And to, um, she had this saying in Spanish, pilas, which means, you know, be char, be on your feet, you know. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm very thankful for her decision of pursuing that education and allowing my father to pursue that education. So you have a very cross-cultural educational experience. You started in... Guatemala, I'm assuming, for your education. Is that safe to say? Correct. And where did you go from there? So I started in a small school in Guatemala. Um, and, you know, I think about it. We didn't have any books or anything like that. But uh, from there, my mom, my aunt, her sister had already had come to America. So she thought it was good for me to come and learn some English. So my last year of high school, she encouraged me to come to America. And, and it definitely was a shocking experience for me coming mm. from a small, rural school that didn't have any books, didn't, you know, we pretty much just took notes from the teacher to this big high school with all these different books and, you know, all these resources. It was kind of overwhelming to adjust to the different styles of learning and, uh -huh. of course, learning English. English was my definitely was not my first language. So trying to study English and studying math and studying science um, in a different language that I didn't know. So it was quite the experience. And then having all these books and all this information, it was quite, quite the experience for me. Well, what's so exciting to me is we've had Native uh, youth, uh, Native college students on the show. We've had people who work with uh, people in college and graduate school who have Native roots. And many times they've shared with us this very uh, cultural challenge. Now, they may not be coming from Guatemala to the States, but it may just as well be that when they come from a reservation, a small school, and they come to a big university. And it's very much the same experience. But I love stories like yours, Jamali, because you didn't sink in that environment. You actually went on to get further education, and ultimately 
pursue a graduate degree and receive a doctorate in public health, as well as along the way picking up a master's with an emphasis in nutrition, correct? Correct. And so, you know, I thank the creator for putting me even in my high school in Guatemala. Some teachers that really emphasize water and exercise and, you know, the idea of our body being so important and how we need to care so that we can um, represent the creator in a healthy way. So I had always had um, interest in healthy and health, but it wasn't until I went to Puerto Rico for my college where I met her. Her name is Barbara McDonald. She was also somebody that came from America to start the um, nursing program in that university in Puerto Rico. But she really introduced me to what I know now, the eight natural remedies hmm. and the volume of the natural remedies to really help people prevent the chronic conditions that we see now in, in America and in, around the world. No, I mean, this is such a powerful message, and it really brings us back to the topic of diabetes programming in Indian country and what you're doing right now. So you've taken that background in your early life history and then gotten further training in it, gotten your doctorate, and then if I'm remembering the timeline that we've talked about off-air, it was something like seven years ago that you came and took the position at the Lake County Tribal Health Clinic. Is that correct? Correct. So you were telling us a bit about the Diabetes Prevention Program, which has been a strong program there with the First Nation peoples there in, in Lake County of California. But you've also got some other interesting things you've been doing with diabetes that involve the community. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so I started, as I mentioned, with just the Diabetes Prevention Program, and about three or four years ago, I was asked to take all the diabetes education program, and I realized that the change needed to happen now from out from me as the diabetes program manager down, but it needed to happen within the community, hmm. and I needed to understand what were the needs of the community and what were some of the things they wanted to work on. So with that... I also learned from another program that has started what we call now uh, Diabetes Action Council, uh, made of representatives of the community that we're serving. So we did something similar here at Lake County Tribal Health, and we uh, we recruited um, two representatives from our six local tribes and two representatives at large to represent the other natives that live in Lake County that are not from the six local tribes. Do mm-hmm do our own needs assessment, and then create our own vision and mission and our objectives for a strategic plan for two years, a strategic plan to prevent and treat diabetes. So I have the privilege to partner with the community and really look at what what the community wanted as a healthy community in Lake County for Native Americans. So you've got a group together. It sounds like about 14 people who are giving you input from the perspective of the various tribes throughout Lake County on what kind of diabetes initiatives, services would be of value. Have I got the picture straight? Correct. That's correct. Now, did you find that those who were representing the tribes necessarily would go back to, say, a tribal council and and get input that way, or was it more informal where they were 
sharing their perspective based on being a tribal member? How did that work out? So one of the big um, roles of their community advocates is actually to go back to the tribes and to the tribal councils and share some of the initiatives that we're working on and help with passing the word. Um, you know, it's only four or five of my staff, but when we meet with the community, we have 14 or 15 advocates for health that can really work together. So um, recently we had a walk to stop diabetes, on your walk to stop diabetes, and we was excited to see some of our community advocates really working with our tribe to make sure that their community can come to the event. We do that in Middletown, which is a little bit farther from a lot of the tribes here. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the tribes provided transportation for the participants, and they brought their community there. So it was excited to see that collaboration and how a community advocate was really um, working with the tribe to get more participation into our program. Tremendous. We've got a final segment coming up. We have to step away uh, again just briefly. We've got a couple of uh, messages that you want to hear, and then we'll be coming back to the final segment of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Dr. Jamali Austin has got some more life-changing information that can make a difference for your tribe, maybe a diabetes program that you're contemplating, some things that have been working in Lake County of California that can also make a difference for you. Stay with us. We will be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. I've been speaking with Dr. Jamali Austin. Jamali is the Diabetes Education and Program Manager for the Lake County Tribal Health Consortium in Lake County, California. She's been talking about some of the exciting things that they're doing for diabetes, from community gardens to diabetes action councils. And now we want to speak some about diabetes walks. Jamali, you've been hosting a walk for diabetes. Is that what you call it, walk for diabetes, or is there a different name that you use? We call it um, Anya Walk to Stop Diabetes. So it is an event that actually our Community Action Council puts together. um, We just completed a third annual walk. Um, So the Community uh, Action Council really felt important to do an event where we bring everybody together and screen them for diabetes, educate them for diabetes, but we also walk um, together to fight diabetes. Oh, this is exciting. So it's not just people walking together. It's also a screening event where you're doing blood tests and things like that? Mm -hmm. Right. Wow. So how many people come out? Did I remember the number of 100? Did I not get that right? Yes. We usually have um, our largest attendance, as I mentioned, besides being our third annual walk, we just completed it in November. We had 250 people. Wow. Okay. Um, We at recent one, we were a little bit farther from most of the tribes in our community. We were in Middletown. So we in that one, we had about 100 people. Um, so we're excited for everyone that comes out. Um, these last walks to stop diabetes, we had everyone do an action plan. Mm-hmm. So they thought about something they wanted to do for their health, and a behavior change that they wanted to do. We many times think about, oh, I should start exercising, or I should stop drinking soda, so I should um, do this or that. So we really wanted to put it on paper mm-hmm. and say, this is one thing I want to do. And then also says when they're going to do it. Are you going to start exercising in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, for how long, and what was their confidence level? So we had everybody do that and share that. So that was pretty powerful to see some of the action plans that the community decided to do. No, that is exciting. And you've not only had community members sharing plans to help address diabetes in their own life and in their families, but you've also done something that's been popular with a number of tribes, and that is the so-called digital stories. Can you tell us a little bit about what a digital story is and how you've been using it? Yeah, so the digital story says three-day workshop when we bring um, those who are interested in writing a success story or something they wanted to share with their family or with their children or just in the community in general. We don't tell them what topic they have to talk. It's really up to them. And there's, you know, many of our stories talk about some of the challenges our community experienced, but then how they were able to overcome those challenges and then they share um, their successes. All of the stories have been really powerful. We have some of the youth sharing their stories also of how they want their community to be healthier. And I remember one of our young girls did a story about 
how she hears from the parents telling her don't drink alcohol, but they're they're telling her not to drink alcohol without alcohol with a drink in their in their hands in their mouth. Mm. So she's like, how does that you know goes together? You know, they're telling me not to drink alcohol, but they themselves are drinking. And she was really asking their community to clean up the park. That she goes to the park and she sees all these cans of alcohol on the floor and you know this garbage and how the youth really deserve a clean environment and good examples and good role models. So this is an exciting process. So you have people telling their stories, both things that they're encouraged about, maybe things they want to change. What other things that you've heard in those digital stories have inspired you, Jamali? There's multiple stories. I mean, every workshop that we do, and we currently are doing um, four workshops a year, two are for adults and two are for youth. Um, I come out with um, just such an encouragement to see the resiliency and the strength the Native community has. You know, some have been more cultural stories of, you know, how um, they have lost here, especially in California, Native tribes have lost their language or their culture, but yet how they continue to strive to keep those important things in their community. And one of our last stories talked about their one of the walks that happens from Chico to every year, um, I can't remember now the name, where, you know, people, when natives were forced to walk into Cabalo, one of the reservations here mm-hmm. in um, California, they were brought from Sacramento and other tribes. And it was a very powerful story that shared, you know, there were about 140 people that started that walk, and at the end, it was only 40 people that completed it. Wow. Um, very powerful story of the resilience of those people to keep going and how, um, you know, those prayers of those people that were on that walk continues to sustain the Native American community now and um, the idea of education and, you know, keeping our, ourselves healthy because of the sacrifice of all these Native community, um, Native people had to do um, to survive. These are exciting stories. Now, did I understand correctly that there might be some of these digital stories that people could view on your website? Yes. We actually um, created a specifically diabetes prevention live story that is in a website, and there, there are two digital stories that were created here in there so that people can see those. And if people are interested, if they are local to California or live close to Lake County, they can contact me and I can give them all the information of how they can, if they want to participate in one of our upcoming Digital Story workshops, how they can do that. Oh, this is tremendous. So basically, for folks who are nearby uh, or you're willing to make a trip to Northern California, they could take part in this. So you welcome... First Nation peoples from anywhere, if they can get to Lake County, is that what I'm hearing, Jamali? Yes, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, why don't you give us your contact information? G. Austin at lcthc.org. Okay, let me see if I've got this. So, G for Jamali, the letter G, mm-hmm. then Austin, your last name, A U S T I N, at and then it's going to be the initials of Lake County Tribal Health Center or Tribal Health Consortium. Yes, consortium. So L-C-T-H-C dot org. Correct. Okay. So, uh, again, I'll just give it, give it one more time. So G 
austin at lcthc.org. And those initials are for Lake County Tribal Health Consortium. So you can contact Jamali if you're interested in one of these digital storytelling workshops. Or Jamali, I'm assuming you're happy to direct people to where on the website they could view digital stories or maybe even get more information from you if they're interested in some of your diabetes programming? Correct, yes. Well, Jamali, I want to thank you for several things. I mean, first of all, for taking the time to join us on today's show, but also for sharing your own story and some of your own uh, successes there as part of the team at the Lake County Tribal Health Consortium. Our time is rapidly slipping away, but I know as a health educator and as a program leader, you've seen some things that work and other things that don't work. And if you were to just summarize things, because we have a lot of health professionals that listen as well as lay people, where would you encourage people today if they're trying to make a difference with diabetes in Indian country? Where do you encourage them to put their energies? Thank you, Dr. DeRose. I'm, you know, we're always learning, and I, that's what probably one of my encouragement is to listen to the community, listen to the elders, make sure you have time to debrief some of your events or activities. One of the things we do every year is we debrief a garden season. We bring the community that participated in the garden and just open it up to share what they like, what they like to see change. And we listen to that and making changes so that we continue to be um, meeting the needs of our community. So that has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. And then working closely with the community, I'm just so thankful that my team is not just my staff here at Tribal Health, but we have the community working with us to make those changes that we need and creating those events that can bring people together to um, improve their health and feel that they're not alone, that we all want to be healthy and that we're all here to support each other. This is such a great message, and it's a message that really resonates in the public health community where we're finding that as we strengthen our interpersonal relations, as we strengthen that support in communities, this is something that's powerful. It makes a difference. Jamali, thank you so much for doing that in Lake County, for making a difference in Indian country, and really giving back to your traditional roots as someone who has Native roots from uh, inter-America. Thank you, Dr. Viros. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, we have to slip away. Again, that was Jamali Austin. If you're trying to get a hold of her, that email address once more, gaustin at lcthc.org. We have got to step away now. I'm Dr. David DeRose. As always, we hope today's show has helped you have the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.